So yeah, getting this thing started, how exactly would you describe what it is that you do? You know, like what is your work here in this life? If I was to describe myself in any, I guess, contextual fashion, it would be, yes, ethicist. I would be an ethicist. That would be my focus on the world. And then I would be a teacher. I haven't meditated for, I don't know how many, since I was nine years old. Um, I'm pretty adept with my mind and introspection and understanding the mental realm and basically how to get a hold of it, how to get it in order and how to live well within it, how to basically convert your mind into a beneficial friend and tool. Um, and then beyond that, I have my perspective as a philosopher where just my life experiences filter through what I would call a, unfortunately, there's no better description, what I would call a transcendent, transcendent perspective. I filter problems, questions, conundrums, paradoxes through my mind, through my opinion, through my perspective and just disseminate them, you know, in a more, more for more entertainment purposes, but also for helpful purposes. So ethicist, teacher, philosopher would be a good way to encapsulate what I do. That's powerful. Um, so you teach others how to utilize their mind, right? How do you wouldn't say effectively? You, yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily utilize it. Um, we all utilize our minds, of course. We all have some skill innate, inborn. Um, I think it's more of, how do you say, um, it's a different perspective, but it's not very different than what the yogic teachers of, of history have done and what a lot of modern people are doing. I just take it from perspective that I've seen having really been on the outside of any spiritual practice or anything like that for the majority of my life. Pretty much, uh, I wouldn't say an untainted, but definitely a slightly different take on our subjective experience mentally. Mm-hmm. So I've built a model where I necess- necessarily engage in introspection, but for the purposes, I ask people to engage in int- introspection, but not necessarily, not necessarily for the purposes of seeing or achieving anything, but just to understand their mind, how it actually operates. And I break the mind down into three categories. Um, I, I distinguish us from our mind. That was that would be the main thing that I would ask people to begin with is to just start meditating, sitting still, breathing, just to have a distinction, some perspective and distance between themselves and their mind to see that we have a mind, we possess a mind, we may be in a mind in a sense, but we are not one in the same lockstep with the mind. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. can use the mind, we have perspective on the mind, therefore, it quite literally can't be us. We can't have perspective on the thing that we are essentially are. You know what I mean? We can yeah. have perspective on a cup because we are not the cup. Mm-hmm. We can see it objectively, but we wouldn't be able to do that with the mind if we didn't have the ability to get distance from it. And you can't get distance from what you essentially are. So we mm-hmm. get first, how do you say, understanding of, even if it's just perceptual, some distinction. And then we try to understand how this natural process occurs. And actually what our role is in intervening and manipulating or steering it in different directions. And it's just essentially three components. The mind mentates, it generates thoughts on its own, just naturally. It's just stimuli, its own energy and processes. And then we have a semi-conscious existence in a sense where we can take these mentated thoughts. Oh, I have a paper due at three. You know, we weren't thinking about it and then it's brought to us by our own mental processes and happenings. And then we can take action on that. And then we have a, a third level of completely deliberate 
conscious thinking. And that's what we have the least ability to do, the least reservoir of will and energy to actualize in a day, maybe a few hours, if we're lucky, a day that we can be focused and deliberately thinking. And that's where we are turning our attention to objects, either stimulating mentation and thoughts, or we are actively taking information and data in our mind or externally and compiling new realities out of that to build, you know, a plan. Like even if you're just planning a vacation, you know, you take the information that you have of available options, resources, time, location, date, and partners to go with you or, you know, friends to go with you. And then you start constructing that. That doesn't just happen on its own as a mental process. So that would be an example of deliberate thinking, a, a familiar word. So mm. we that's one of the main things is just sitting still, breath work, s- several meditation practices, but mainly just getting familiar with the way your mind works. And the best way to do that, I think, is with meditation, because trying to be someplace while you're constantly being pulled away from that place is the best way to see where you're deliberately trying to be and what is Obviously not you because you're trying to be here, trying to take you away from that. So mm-hmm. I think meditation is invaluable. I mean, not necessarily specifically just for spiritual practice practices. I think I like to take everything and just destroy the whole spiritual context and blanket the entire universe with spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of people relegate meditation specifically for spiritual transcendent enlightenment, religious purposes or whatever. I think it's just a natural activity for human health. You know what I mean? So yeah, it can lend, it can lead in that direction, obviously, if you do it deliberately, but just practically for a day to day existence, I think it's beneficial. So yeah, meditation is huge. I also do believe that it's just something that humans do or we're meant to do in a certain way is to meditate and to not be so involved with our environment not be so involved with the noise and the drama of life is just finding, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes a day. It helps so much. Even just a little bit of time like that, it helps so much, man. Meditation is huge. It's, I mean, I look at it like it's our non-physical muscle or organ. Mm. If you have leg muscles and you're constantly walking, they're going to fatigue and you're going to deteriorate. Maybe you can still walk and you can push through, but you're going to be less, you're going to be lessened in a less optimal state. So even with our mind, it just needs some reprieve, a chance, just like you said, just to take a step back. And I think we, you obviously know, but a lot of people haven't, they haven't done this. They only get these opportunities, maybe when they're driving and they're lost in thought or when they go for a jog or something, or they just get caught up in something in a flow state, Mm -hmm. but inadvertently, but to deliberately cultivate that state, you obviously, and we both know, and many people know the benefit of the ease of just existence that comes about once you've kind of liberated this from constant activity, you know, it's even if it's just for pleasure, meditation, you know what I mean? That's yeah. how I began. I began meditating when I was nine, like and after martial arts, uh, beginning martial arts when I was nine, I started meditating and I didn't do it for any other reasons other than, Oh my God, I feel better. I actually get a little euphoric high. So yeah. it was purely pleasure motivation. And I think wherever people start, whatever they're, catalyst is to get going. And I think pleasure is obviously the, one of the most available and approachable. I think it's worth it. So I tell people meditate to get a little high, a little non narcotic <laughs> dopamine endorphin rush. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel that. I, what, ta- what, what practice, what practice do you engage in? If you don't mind me asking, um, what, what's your meditation style or do you have a particular style? Or do you just kind of go with it? 
It's um, if you want to classify it in a yeah, it's with a label. It's like anapanasati meditation, just simple breathing. You know, pranayama meditation. Usually, try to do it every day, at least at least once a day. That's for sure. Um, before I go to bed, 10, 15, 20 minutes, just simply breathing. Not on my phone, not listening to anything, not watching any, not doing anything other than just following the breath. In and out. Simple as that. I also have a yogic practice. Um, and also do other breathing meditations. Um, but basically what I've done for a few years now, pretty much every day, is just simple pranayama meditation and that is so huge it seems like nothing right it just seems like you're just sitting in a room with your eyes closed it's like what is that why do why would i even want to do that right it just seems so out of outside of the paradigm of our modern world but it's so simple yet so transformative for one's being so yeah man just a simple breathing meditation which is available for all of us because we're all breathing <laughs> absolutely that's yeah. absolutely right that's actually the technique i mean i'm not sure if i call it what you call it but i start off with breath work mm-hmm. it's just the most simple available and honestly the easiest to gain results and benefit from you know initially for everybody so yeah i think that's the most that's the one of the m- most widely used and widely accessible techniques amen to do that. you have any uh do you have any objectives with your meditation or do you um, simply just do it for personal benefit? That's a good question, man. Originally, it did start off, like you said, kind of getting high. It was actually more of like a way to mitigate mental illness because that's how I started off on this whole path was I never really felt right. You know, there's a sort of depression, anxiety in my life. And I heard that meditation was good for that. You know, I read a few articles on that. So I decided to follow meditation in that way. So Maybe in a way, yeah, I did try to get high with it. Maybe just not be so low in life. And it did work. That was the objective. But eventually, I've come to lose the objective. There's no objective in it. It's sort of just like, I don't know, tying my shoes before I go out or brushing my teeth. It's just something that we do. Just because it's it's like, why not? Why would I not tie my shoes before I leave? Why would I not brush my teeth? (laughs) It's just something that's just naturally in my life at this point. There is obviously some kind of inadvertent objective in there. There's objective in all of our actions in life, right? It's always it's always in there somehow. But there's less like attachment to having to do it or not having to do it. Like if there's a day or two days go by where I don't meditate, it's like whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't it's not that big of a deal. I can always come back in. So it's not it. an obligation. It's not yeah, an obligation. Yeah, there's no obligation, but um, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to set some kind of standard, but it's not that big of a deal like how it was when I started. But I do think that's how, if you do eventually want to get to that point where your life becomes a meditation, you do have to be very earnest in that way where you have to set a, an obligation and a standard like to kind of build that mental muscle of, you know, just to have that as a habit in your head, you have to almost like set a schedule with it. And then once you got that down and it's like in your life as a part of your lifestyle, then I think it becomes less objectified and less of an obligation in one's life. Um, That's how I feel. It might be different for everyone else, but that's how I feel. That's perfect. I mean, that's exactly how I felt for a long time. Like I said, unfortunately and fortunately, I came to all of this retroactively. I lived my whole life meditating, had 
no belief or concept of a spiritual practice having any value outside of religion, you know, mm. and things like this. So I do approach all of this with a little less reverence, but I think that also gives me a little bit of a, like I said, a different perspective to see them, see things as they, I'm less attached, I, I say, to rigor and things like this. So that's really, the, honestly, I grew up Catholic, so I was always avoidant of, how do you say, dogma, mm. practice rituals and things mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. So anytime anything became ritualistic or mandated or obligated, I would avoid it. So I've meditated purely, like you said, out of personal benefit and gain until it became something that I didn't even, like you said, didn't even feel a way about if I didn't do it. It was what I did for me, not because I felt like I had to or ought to or should. And I think that's the best place, best place to be. And eventually, like you said, when you become, your life becomes a living meditation. Yeah. I think meditation is still beneficial because we still have a brain and mind that is working and functioning and collecting a lot of baggage and issues and problems and just pain points in the world. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's less essential on a frequent basis, I would say. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that's, that's that meditation. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. Just do it. <laughs> that's <laughs> I think the, the biggest yeah. piece of advice, just do it, see what happens exactly. and keep doing it. Yeah, man. Exactly. Just do it. That's for all modalities, all practices that one could recommend. There's only so much you just could read. It. Just do it. Yeah. Just, just do, do it. Do see it. for yourself. I'm a exactly. big believer in see for yourself. Listen, take advice, guidance, but check, find out for yourself, confirm mm -hmm. or deny independently. Go ahead, though. I'm sorry. Sorry for dominating that no, portion. I, I agree, man. That's uh, 100%. Yeah. That's everything, everything in life. Life becomes yes. like a science like that, I feel. That is the true sage. Yeah. It's like you become a scientist of yourself. And uh, Absolutely. You, you know what works and know, know what doesn't work. And it's different for all of us. There's some correlations between us as individuals, but for the most part, it is a subjective experience. That's why we know meditation works, not because we're able to sit still and do it. And I, that's why I, I kind of, I've been trying to find a way to push against this notion, oh, I can't meditate. Mm. Uh, you know, a non-emotional, I guess, counter. I've been still looking for one to say, when people say, I can't meditate, that's why I jog or run, or I can't meditate, that's why yeah. I do X, Y, or Z. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, so. But I, I, what you said there, a science, I think what life is, in a sense, is a lesson, a classroom, an opportunity yep. Yep. to learn. And what I'm not sure what people refer to their guru as or what a guru should be, but for me personally, life, just existence, the universe, this world, not necessarily civilization or society, but the world existence, reality, the planet, that's been my guru. Mm -hmm. You bump your head here, it teaches you. <laughs> you. You make a mistake here, you start to learn. As long as you're willing to listen and be humble and admit that maybe you aren't, aren't right in absolute in knowledge and know mm -hmm. it, you don't, you're not perfect, then you can learn a lot from just error, pain, and mistakes. And then you can, once you start to see that there's lessons to be learned, like you said, you can become scientific about it. Let me test this. Let me try this out. Let me investigate that, get the results, the benefit, and see and confirm or deny, like you said, like I said earlier, independently. So mm -hmm. scientific investigation, personal exploration, and lifelong education, self-education. Yeah. Amen. The science of the self. Science of the self. Hmm.
Yeah, man. It's good stuff. It's true. It's real stuff. Um, real yogis, sages, like the, the, the real ones, not just people that go to yoga class on Sunday, like a true sage, they refer to yoga as a science, like the whole path of yoga. Yeah. I mean, I can totally, I feel that 100%. Um, let me ask you this one, man. You think life is uh, it's a school, right? We've all heard that. It's earth school. What is it trying to teach us ultimately? Like, is it trying to, in one way or the other, make us all our best selves? Make Where is this going? I know that's obviously a generalization, but if we can answer generally, like, how would you say? I think it's trying to make us best. No, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to understand. I think if I would explain it in in these terms, I think we are in paradise. Mm. We have made an error. Some <laughs> time historically, yeah. can we now find our way back to it individually? And the, that is an incredible effort. The greatest effort is can we do it collectively? Yeah. And doing so, the reward is living as sentient conscious beings in Garden of Eden. So I think it's an opportunity to come to natural birthright as, you know, the beings we are of a blissful existence where there's no real threats or competitions on this competition on this planet from other species. You know what I mean? This should be a paradise. You know, we mm. we run the roost, you know what I mean? But we have allowed ourselves to get trapped in our minds, get trapped in a world of thought, labeling, categorization, mm -hmm. distinction. And that has fragmented everything, separated everything. And we can no longer see what is we can we can't even see the abundance that we possess because of these narratives and these stories and categorizations and labels that have persisted throughout time. We're just basically, I guess, humanity has been running a story, right? We, we have survived this far based on story long before we could write things down, compute, do mathematics. We had stories to carry our reality forward. And I just think that's seeded into our biology and our makeup mentally, cognitively. I think that the purpose of this, if, I don't believe absolutely there is a purpose. I think everything's perfected and correct in a broad, absolute sense. But locally, relatively, I think what this is represents for us is a challenge and a test. Mm. Can we see our way individually through and greater tests, greater challenge, I should say, collectively? And if we can't, the test that we may fail, that we may be on the cusp of is do we, Fermi paradox, if you will, <laughs> Do we build a world where we can completely unburden ourselves or do we build a world where we are limitlessly capable? I think that is the challenge, the test. Wake up before you end it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think this not nuclear annihilation, but literally trapping ourselves in a comfortable, secure matrix like environment based on biological imperatives and motives instead of cognitive decisions from a more was what's a better word enlightened perspective i don't have yeah. a better word for it yeah. so are we trying do i think there's a broad grand scheme to push humanity in specifically towards something no i think that this is an environment where whether we're being assisted consciously willfully or not i don't know it seems like we are sometimes you know what i mean like oh my god like i'm being helped I mean, that's been my life experience. Like, am I being helped? I, maybe I shouldn't keep denying these lessons and keep resisting and avoiding believing that I'm somehow more than I am capable of being, knowing more than I'm actually knowing and 
on my own path toward personal identification, success, glory. Maybe I should listen to what's right because it seems to be yielding a better experience. So I think it's natural for us to get caught up in our mind, trying to actualize individual purposes once we're caught up in the mental program. But I think the goal is to see beyond that and to mm-hmm. see that there is a broader intelligence, or at least even, even if it's not a broader intelligence, a broader scope of information available to us to actualize and use to bring ourselves to a better condition than we could solely with cognitive abilities. Mm-hmm. Wow. All and said. You, using that, we can bring ourselves to a state of bliss individually and collectively. But obviously, with this individual tool, it's going to not work because we're going to have diff- so many different competing agendas that are m- mutually exclusive that we can't necessarily do it unless we are parented externally. Mm-hmm. There is no parent available. So we'd have to build that one. That would be technology, algorithms, computation, machines. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the test that we are on the verge of entering or failing. I'm not sure where we are in that path. I'm not you know, psychic or whatever, but it's likely the filter that weeds out quite a bit of life in this universe, keeps unenlightened species from, how do you say, infecting the galaxy in the universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's good stuff, man. Yeah. So this whole thing is an opportunity for us to wise up, essentially, to get out of our delusional glamours that we seem to have built up over generations, this sort of selfish orientation, very selfish, like I, me, mine attitude. Wake up out of that and realize that we're all in this together. And if we don't, um, better luck next time, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did the Hindu say? Is it Kali Yoga? Kali Yoga? Kali Yoga. The, yeah, supposedly. Yeah. This, this, maybe it's not universal necessarily every time. Maybe it is individually real for each species. <laughs> the end of this species yeah. and maybe a new one, a new realm of psychic consciousness is birthed on another planet that has another opportunity. I'm not sure. But I mean, it makes sense why we're in this condition. This is why I try to, I'm not too hard on us. I think we're, it's sad because we have so much available. I look at it. I look at humanity as a great high school, a college athlete that kind of went left. You know what I mean? So much (laughs) potential. You know what I mean? Yeah. So much Mm -hmm. opportunity, so much potential. We had so much hope for you, but what are you doing, man? Why are you out here street racing? You, You have a game tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, man. So, I mean, I think if I can just interject real quick, I mm-hmm. think it, I'll try to be, like I said, I see us as children, teenagers, adolescents in a sense, as a collective. And I try to be a little softer on us because it makes sense when you think about it. Our minds were evolved in a, an environment where those realities were true to a degree with scarcity, constant yeah. threats, you know labor intensive activities everywhere you know just getting enough food is going to drain you you know so it makes sense why we're wired and programmed to see this Mm -hmm. and you can see throughout history a couple of opportunities where we could have come to this and it just the energy is just slightly too too strong against it and it you need enough time to sit down you've obviously taken time Clearly, you're doing this each time you do this with a person, you're taking time to think. And I'm sure you're thinking immensely in between these periods, mm-hmm. reading and absorbing, meditating. But it does take that time yeah. that really you need abundance to have or at least opportunity to sit still, to have to see things more clearly. Perspective, like I said, we need to get on our mind. So I was hoping, unfortunately, that we this global issue we had in 2020, this global 
health crisis we had, this pandemic would have given us an opportunity to get a reprieve. Mm-hmm. But we entered into a state where there was so much fear and worry and anxiety that I'm afraid that we unfortunately may have squandered that opportunity. Mm, yeah. Glo- globally. Yeah, I know, right? Who knows where we will go, but it does feel like a transitory period between that era of scarcity and now we are in this weird era of abundance, yet we're still working with the tendencies of scarcity. It's very peculiar in that sense. I think I understand why that is. It's money, quantification, mathematics. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the fact that money, just in particular current currency, now that we have the ability to conceptualize a finite quantity of a thing that we possess, and all of us have a finite quantity of money, and there's a finite amount available on this planet, but conceptually, mentally, cognitively, our lifespans, our needs, our fears, our threats, our desires aren't capped, aren't limited. So you have this relative juxtaposition, this relative relation, this relationship between our cognitive desires, needs, and concept of ourself, self, and a cognition and an awareness of a limited availability of resources in terms of capital. I think that is one of the main issues that keeps us mentally inclined towards scarcity. Even if we have 10 cars and three houses, we still know that we have only $20 million or $30 million, whatever this person has. But we haven't pegged our lifespan as being finite. So many people can't even enjoy what would be multiple lifetime, lifetimes worth of wealth yeah. because cognitively they can't see an end to themselves, but they can see an end to their money. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. There may be one culprit. There may be one culprit? That may be one culprit for this continuation of the scarcity mentality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to I've been thinking about why is it that we haven't adopted what is not for everyone on this planet, but objectively for this planet available for everyone. Yeah. Now, everyone doesn't have as much as they need, but there's enough for everyone in yeah. a sense. <laughs> basics. Yeah. So I've been trying to figure out why is it that we haven't come to this, at least especially the people that are the, that are the most comfortable and secure financially and materially. Yeah, yeah. And my only thought is their lifespan is not finite. We can't, unless you are really, really with it, it's hard to conceive of an actual end to yourself. Oh, somehow I'll be saved. I'll be 100 and somehow some new technology will be invented and I'll be 150 and then something, you know what I mean? Yeah, or I'll freeze but my the money, Yeah, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the money is calculable. It is finite and definitive. And that limitation juxtaposed with an indefinite keep scarcity going the indefinite you limited resources that's Mm. just one possibility yeah they like butt heads that's good i've never thought of it that way i also do think it's because this era of abundance has only been what i don't know the last maybe 70 years 50 yeah Yeah. look at you you're very optimistic man (laughs) (laughs) i don't know we'll say we'll say 50 to 100 around that whatever the era of scarcity thousands probably right so it's just in our loins it's in our dna and if you weren't scarce if you didn't have this scarce mindset you probably didn't survive so the ones that survive get passed on yeah so all of our ancestors you know all of our dna are the ones that had to be scarce 
for them exactly. to just live on. If you were if you were living in some delusion of abundance when you were in scarcity, you didn't make it. So now what right. we're doing is we're battling, like you said, juxtapositions such as the ones that you brought up, but also we're battling our DNA. And that's tough, man. Sure. It's so brand new. Like we're in this brand new era and it's just happening within, like we said, the last 50 to 100 years. But I think that's the that's the opportunity. That's the battle, if you want to call it that. That's the hero's journey that we're in is we're like we're fighting this sort of demon within, if you want to call it, the devil. Not even, sure. I mean, that's kind of maybe a little um, anthropomorphic. I'll use it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, we're battling the beast within, man. <laughs> exactly. You I know? mean, I use it, but I don't put religious connotation. I, I use the word God and devil to symbolize opposing forces at, at a broad scale. And that's what it is. That's what it yeah. is, man. Yeah, we're battling the uh, the devil of our animalistic instincts of scarcity that's driving this sense of lowercase s self with this with this uppercase s self of God, which is really like right. that's the, the opportunity is for us to be able to see that the collective self. And uh, yeah, that's where all of us need to wake up to. <laughs> if we don't, then uh, yeah, we might have the might have the darkness win, unfortunately. But I think, I don't know, man. I think something's going on right now at this point. I think it just seems like if you turn on Fox News, TikTok, and p the popular narrative is that we're still stuck in the darkness. We're never going to get out of the darkness. I don't think so. I think behind the scenes, there is the battle is being waged, that's for sure. But the battle is being won by the light and by our true sense of self, um, you know, the sense of the collective. I really think that's what's happening. It may seem messy. It may not seem like we're going to make it, but I think it's because it's so brand new and it's really nothing new. This is our, this is our, our nature. You know, this is what do you mean? What's from. so brand new? What do you mean? What exactly do you mean? So Sorry. brand new? Yeah. The, uh, the idea of us becoming the human that we're supposed to be the state of abundance, you know, working with okay. that and living in that okay. living as the collective it's, not actually brand new. I think that's how we were supposed to live, like innately, something that we lost. You know, it's like our birthright. But it's new in the sense because we've been conditioned into the darkness over thousands and thousands of years, conditioned into the scarcity. You know, that's just how we evolved. And um, yeah, it, this whole new state of self is brand new at this point. And that's why it may seem like, oh, are we going to make it or not? This is a really, really interesting time to be alive, man, to witness all of this. And to it be absolutely is. It absolutely is. Yeah. I think I think your general trend is right. I think we would make it. I think we would make it. I think we're trending in the right direction. The only concern I have is that our intelligence may fast track, may fast track that devil side faster than, you know what I mean? Like and mm -hmm. I'm, what I'm saying is this desire and maybe even as a necessary step to get to the thing that you're talking about yeah we must cultivate technological scientific mechanistic abilities to provide abundance to all mm -hmm. whether it's some system that can actually get everyone with the resource get ev the resource to everyone that needs them and distribute it more equitably or whatever or at least clean out and carve out some of the exploitation and wrongdoing that kind of sucks up some of the excess that could be distributed I think the issue that I am concerned with currently is that that's inclination to unburden ourselves, to find more security, you know, greater ease and more stability, more control that that may yield fruit s sooner 
then we are able to realize and accept and acknowledge the abundance. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. that does, I mean, I'm not saying it will, but if that does, then we will use those abilities abilities to satisfy that scarcity mindset. And that, I think, will trap us in something we don't want to be trapped in. Now, and and the only issue with that is once we shift our burden of effort and really the last burden would be of thought. If artificial intelligence or something like this is able to supplant human thought and do it better and we shift everything to it, then we no longer really have a role for self-advocation, even if we come to this realization after the fact. Mm. So that is a scary and dangerous thing, because even if we wake up, we will be encaged. Yeah. Sounds like the major. It is. That is, ex- <laughs> that is exactly, I hate, I avoid using that word simply because of, you know, the connotations, you know, you think we're going to be an artist. No, we will build it. <laughs> we will build it and we will put ourselves in there thinking it's for the best. And then we will wake up and realize we don't have a voice inside of this thing. We're comfortable. Food comes every day. We have plenty of entertainment. However, we're not able to manipulate or influence the systems that support us. That is a mistake. And I think the only reason that we would do that is because if you start granting individuals this genius level capability without them possessing it internally, without having to earn this, and this is really what's one of the things that's preserved this world is gaining the information, the capital, and the know-how have been challenging. So the order of the world is maintained, persisted throughout this time because it's been very hard to upset it. You know, it's kind of stable in that way. But if you grant individuals the ability to create new databases, web, attack websites, manipulate. Did we lose something? Uh, lost your camera. Still, okay. A few moments later. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Is we're back, back in. <laughs> so we, we defeated it. So that's a sign that we're going to win. Humans <laughs> over a Right there. Oh All man! Right. So yeah, we were, were talking we? about. Um, okay, how do I, you're talking about how if we get to a point of technology providing this abundance without earning it per se, it's going to pretty much supplement our not abundance ability. Okay. With with the ability to have, I mean, I've been using it, ro- you know, robustly, multiple versions, models, and I just see that. I'm using Wikipedia, I'm reading Wikipedia less. I'm, I'm literally unburdening myself from effort cognitively. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is if each individual is granted genius level ability without having to possess that innately internally yeah. work to earn that. And we are also operating in this scarcity based, fear based control seeking mentality where I would like to have enough money to keep people away from me or in the position or whatever the heck it is. Then we will use this to, in a sense, I mean, you can't have a billion people with Einstein level minds operating off of fear-based, control-based scarcity mentality. They're going to assault the world for their own personal individual gain Mm. because it'll be beneficial to them. Even if they're not breaking the law, they will assault it. They will undermine economic, financial systems, political systems. So you have to almost somewhat protect the world systems if we build them from people, you know what I mean? To a degree, as we do now, right? We can't just manipulate the stock market. There are controls, but at a certain point, those controls will be able to be circumvented by a human with a supercomputer in a, in a sense in their pocket, you know, a, an artificially intelligent supercomputer. So the, what I see and what I'm afraid of, not afraid of, what I think we need to be worried about and prevent from happening by like the work you're doing is essential to this by at least seeing the consciousness with the goal. 
with the single goal of this. The point of all of this advancement and development is to liberate humanity from constraints. That mm -hmm. would be the main point of it for me, not to simply unburden ourselves. If we can keep that in mind, even if we do build this world and it will be more aligned with our long-term objective and we may still have a door out, you know what I mean? That's the priority, the prioritization, something that I'm beginning starting tonight, tomorrow, I'm relaunching my website, getting this thing. This is my ethicist portion of my work is to just basically alert people that the objective and the priority of a world is to improve the condition of its inhabitants. Mm -hmm. We have somehow flipped the script to believe that we live to serve the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the world is of more vital importance than us. No, the world is meant to improve our condition. And if it's not doing that, then it is a subpar world. Mm -hmm. Advancing technology and capabilities should only be geared toward improving our subjective state. To a degree, some of that is comfort, entertainment, pleasure, control, safety, and security. But if we only seek that, then we imprison ourselves. But if we keep the objective in line, along with increasing security, comfort, pleasure, food, safety, all of these things, if we keep it aligned with an objective of individual empowerment and liberation, liberation from the need of these constraints, from the need of governmental, societal, legal control, hundreds of years probably in the future, but that long-term objective, then we can still build a door out because it will be aligned with a human objective, which is to be free. I mean, yeah. I think that's the side that you're working on. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are all working on the side, security, pleasure, comfort, control. But the higher, the big S, the higher S is working on being impervious, being beyond need, desire. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so I think the goal that we have to align ourselves with is godhood, not mm -hmm. becoming more powerful ants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Does it make any sense? Yeah. At some point, being able in the far flung future, this is radical, mm -hmm. I know. Some point in the far flung future, each individual individual human, whether you consider them human or not, being able to exist independent of another human completely in bliss and in security and comfort. Then people can come together in a completely liberating and free society and organization because they're not dependent upon it. Right now, we need our world. We need the world. We need the systems. We need people to, I don't know how to farm. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that. And I don't really want to be in a world where realities exist like they do. And we don't have some measure of security. We, we have practical, practical realities we must acknowledge. But eventually, I would hope that our descendants would eventually be able to use these growing abilities, burgeoning capabilities to liberate themselves from this constraint. I think what I've been able to see is through my meditation over the, I'm 44 years old. So however long, 35 years, yeah, 35 years of meditation. After, you know, I was able to basically extricate myself from my mind when I was 34 years old in 2014, after 25 years of meditation, I've been able to see, it's been 10 years now, I've been able to see and conceive of existence independent of all. Mm. And I think only with this perspective is it possible to conceive of existing blissfully without a world. Wow. That's just something I don't think most people conceive of. We cannot do that. I'm being practically and honestly real. We cannot do that currently. We will not do that in your lifetime, my lifetime, or our grandchildren's lifetime, or their children's lifetime. This will be a hundred, two, three hundred plus year endeavor 
But the goal should always be aiming toward that, not necessarily extending this hierarchical exploitation across the galaxy, which is what most science fiction and future views look like. Just this everywhere with better with flying cars, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and Butler robots. No, I think we need to be more ambitious in wow. a sense. Wow. I've never heard anybody say that. So you're saying we should be ambitious in the sense that we work toward being able to have some kind of independent experience that is not of this world, like this toward godhood. So we get to. We'll never reach it. That's perfection. That's the goal, though. That's the target. The mm -hmm. what 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 I'm saying, if let me just clarify real quick, just to make sure that I'm being heard accurately. What I'm saying is that we use our growing capabilities, technology, know-how, understanding to obviously improve our comfort, security, quality of life in the near term. We, we're not going to sacrifice our lives for future people we will never meet. You know, we won't suffer for that. That's not sensible. But with these growing capabilities, they should always be aligned with eliminating the need for a world. Mm. A world is a structure, an incubator, a parent, a womb until we're able to deal, do without one. You should never exist in a structure, a limiting, constraining structure beyond need. That just yeah. seems to be sensible. Once we have the capabilities to exist independent of this planet or a star individually, obviously technologically capable, whatever, probably modifications to our genetics, biology, things like this, then whatever arrangement we engage in is a completely liberated and free one. Yeah. You know what I mean? We are not here because we must be and there's no option. Therefore, you don't need police and governments and rules and law because everyone is there by choice with full autonomy to leave or not at any point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. So that is, that is a I, I, I don't hear people talking about this. I'm not claiming to be I claim more to be what do you call it? Uh, I, I hate using spiritual terms because I don't fit neatly within these things. And I don't want to abuse another person's culture. You know what I mean? I really don't. But the best term that I found is Bodhisattva. Mm -hmm. Does it make any sense? That's, I don't claim to be staring into the abyss constantly as an enlightened person. There's a distinction that I would make between people that have transcended their mind. There's the Bodhisattva. And then there's a person that is just one in the same. Atman is merged into Brahma. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. They're staring right into the eyes of Brahma, Atman. So there's really no distinction. Distinction. What I would call the Bodhisattva is Atman leaning on Brahma. My back, I'm being held, I'm leaning, supported, but I'm facing the world. So I'm able to see the suffering, the pain, the injury and everything. But I'm able to also use a perspective that isn't encapsulated in the mind in the way that it used to be mm -hmm. to see things a little bit more clearly detached. Yeah. And from this perspective, we can get an alternative perspective that may not, like you said, you've never heard and I haven't heard either. So there you go. Well said. Well said, though. Yeah. So essentially, this Godhood you're talking about is building a reality that is, oh, lost you again. <laughs> not this time, Matrix. <laughs> a few moments later. But yeah, we're back. <laughs> Take yeah. three. So, yeah, yeah, getting back on that track. Um Essentially, the sense of godhood that you're talking about is us. Oh, it doesn't want me to get this point. 
no but go ahead while i rectify this i apologize yeah i'll just keep talking it's okay um so essentially this sense of godhood that you're talking about is an imperative toward humanity not being so dependent on this world which essentially seems like a life and experience that isn't dependent or doesn't work upon the foundation of entropy because that's what we're working seemingly against here is a sense of like this whole thing is against me it's me against the world and uh you know dog eat dog and to me it seems like there if there is a goal for this whole thing as you described is that we're working toward a sense of a flow state where it's no entropy it's more like we're going with the motions of this world we're going with the Tao and everything that's been handed to us and given to us in this garden of Eden and uh we may use technology and AI to facilitate that, but we just can't get lost in the sense in the fruits of what AI and technology grants us to um, almost make us complacent and make us, like you said, ants. I like that. Like we're just we're a little more than ants. Um, Powerful ants instead of liberated gods or whatever liberated gods man yeah i feel that like that god sense within that godhood within i think that is it man we're all working toward that i think that if there is a goal to the path we're working toward liberation right we've all heard that buzzword before but what does that really mean you know what is freedom what really is freedom freedom is the ability to do whatever you want right in the in a classical sense i can do whatever i want so in your description of what we're doing this for it's so that we're not at the whim of our environment anymore we're not at the whim of our desires and aversions we are working to truly build a sort of dreamlike heaven-like state so that one can do whatever they want and uh enjoy this human experience it may not even be a human experience right it may be who knows what hard to call it that yeah so different that you might not even want to call it that you know, human 2.0 or human 1.5, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, man. I feel but, like people who are very in tune with themselves, and you seem to be obviously very in tune with yourself, have a sort of omni presence. What is the word when you can predict the future? Sort of prophetic. Um, omniscience. Yeah, an, an omniscience it's, of oneself and humanity. And there is a sense of like, we are building towards something. We are building toward... If this is Kali Yuga, we're building toward, as they say, Sat Yuga. You know, it's a better age, like a more freer age, something where there are less constraints. Explain, explain that to me. I'm not familiar with. I've heard of Kali. What is, say that again. I don't know about that. Yeah, so there's four different ages. Um, we're in Kali. Sat is supposedly the next one. I don't know. It's up in the air. People, I don't know. I don't like to follow that model too much, but I do think we are following the path of building a better world and sat is supposedly like this is a way better world sat means truth in sanskrit so i don't know what kali means uh i know kali is a goddess but i don't exactly know what kali represents um we're on our way 
to it to the better world is that what the yeah, general exactly. sentiment that's is? what they say okay. that's what they say but it may be like hundreds of thousands of years millions of years it may be now there's so many different interpretations of the yugas either way though we're moving towards something i don't know how long it's going to take but they say we're moving toward the era of truth where we live in our truth we live in sight um yeah um I do believe that. I feel that. And I'm not just saying that because I read that from some guy that has a Sanskrit name in a book. I'm actually, I feel that within my intuition that we're building towards something that is a timeline or a world that doesn't even look like this world. It's something that will be irrecognizable. We're building almost like past these bodies in a way. We're using these bodies in this world of earth as I think you said it as trajectory as a sort of like foundation for us to build out of it like this is a sort of like um this is almost a starting point in order for us to become these beings of light where we're in this like I was gonna say another realm but it's really not another realm it's this realm it's this it's this what we're all in right now but it's seemingly like the experience is seemingly going to be different it's going to be a lot more free like i said less entropy quite hard to explain with words with mouth noises simple mouth noises that we're using limited aren't they very very limited. very but do you do you feel it within i know a lot of other people do but obviously you seem to do you, you feel like inevitably we're going to build a better world we might destroy ourselves I mean, that might happen who knows but i think, I think the only thing to do is to build a better world yeah, what else are we doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think there's people that should be focused on making this time comfortable, more entertainment, learning how to cook a better souffle or whatever yeah. they want to do. And there's other people that want to work on accelerating our capabilities and abilities. I also think there needs to be room for people like you, for like probably like myself, who are working on aspects that, and again, who are working on aspects that are how do you say, uh, less tangible, but still these things have existed throughout time. Am I, am I wrong? These things have existed throughout time. Yeah. These things have been around for thousands of years. So I'm a firm, I'm a firm and strong believer in not stripping things down just because we don't see them as essential anymore. And I think what you and I do yield less tangible physical results in, in an immediate period of time in the, in the short period of time yeah but we know that over time there's almost probably nothing better than investigating this aspect of ourselves and yeah. diving into the mind and getting ourselves right so i think in addition between making the world better just more comfortable more pleasurable more enjoyable on a day-to-day -day basis in addition to accelerating our ability scientific technological medical abilities agricultural whatever there still needs to be a small sliver of space cut out for the outcast, the outsider, the introspectionist, the philosopher to, in a sense, keep the whole game with a little perspective and context because mm -hmm. it's so easy to get. That's what we've done. We've gotten so caught up. It's politics. It's the economy. It's yeah. this. It's so important. We can't worry about meditation until we solve this. Well, we won't ever solve that until we worry about meditation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we lost the context, the bigger context, the bigger picture. Yeah, man. That's for sure. So, so short-sighted, aren't we? Mm. And you know, the yeah, I do, thing. I do, okay. I do believe we're generally trending in a direction where not necessarily where it's, it's it's inevitable that it will work out, but where we have an opportunity and a choice. Mm. You know, 
Yeah, the opportunity like, is inevitable. <laughs> the opportunity is inevitable. The choice and the decision will be upon us. And yeah. what you're doing, I am not even joking. I mean, I mean, when I say that it's essential that this happens to spread these perspectives and ideas and potential inevitabilities so that at the minimum, the information space made of the collective of human mind, collective of human minds, the sum total of all of our minds, this information space that normally supports a social reality and an economic reality and a political and a cultural and whatever reality that it, it is seeded with this human objective of liberation. It's not necessarily physical. I, I'm sorry about this, but I will it's rectify okay. this if we ever speak again. Okay. <laughs> the, the, uh, that it's seeded with this objective of liberation. I think we've historically only discussed it as mental and spiritual liberation. I guess we're only audio. So we historically discussed this as only mental and spiritual liberation, but we're getting to the point where it's actually going to be possible to liberate ourselves in a physical way. Mm. Now we'll always still have physical tangible bodies as long as we're human beings, but from the constraints of the world and other people. Really, we want to get to a point to where I, I look at it like this. If you talk about godhood, a god does not need to protect itself from another individual or worry about acquiring assets and resources. You know, everything is from a completely liberated, free decision and position. And yeah. I think that is a place where the only suffering a person would endure, there would be, maybe be no suffering because there would be nothing a person would endure that they didn't deliberately sign up for or choose. Hmm. Currently, hmm. we must suffer the constraints of a world because we must organize ourselves. And whatever framework and constraints you put on a collective is going to be wrong, likely, to a degree for one or more of those parties. You, you can't have a world without causing suffering, if hmm. that makes any sense. Hmm. Yeah, and I know what you mean. You can't, you and I, no matter how smart we think we are, we cannot construct a civilization that will not un fairly and unduly constrained at least one individual. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Damn. <sighs> so, what's going on, man? I'm sorry. This is powerful stuff, man. Yeah. I just got a lot like the vision of like, how did we get here? Like, how did this, like, how do we get in this calamity? I don't know. Cause we can see it. We can necessity it. to a degree, to a degree yeah. necessity. Right. We can't have you taking all of our chickens and cows. So we've got to get some guys with sticks to stop that from happening, you know, mm -hmm. and it just keeps gaining. And, oh, we want to know how many chickens we have. So we start counting and we have more than you. So we're more powerful. And it's just momentum. But the momentum is headed, is pushing us, compelling us, driving us toward a, well, I mean, you experience it in your own personal life. You had momentum, right? And then you realize at some point there was a decision that needed to be made. This isn't going the way I want. This isn't as good as I like for it to be. I'm going to do something about that. And mm. maybe this is all this is in a, on a global scale, on a historical scale. We've lived, we got by, we could cope, we were fine until we weren't, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, that's samsara right there, man. That's pretty much Eastern philosophy right there. Yeah. It's this endless cycle of suffering. Until we realize that there is another way, you know, we start to turn the wheel of Dharma, as they say, and we, we, uh, turn our lives around, you know, complete, 
adopt completely different habits and hobbies and just different lifestyles all together. And uh, we, we, we do it only when we realize that the way that we lived before was futile and ultimately did build suffering for ourselves. And so that's where we're at right now. It's changing that momentum in a way. Yeah. Yeah, man. I interrupted you. You were going to say something a second ago. Do you remember what that was? I completely. No. <laughs> I lost it. Stepped on. It was yeah, something about the momentum and the trajectory, and um, I lost it. I'm just like okay. <laughs> I'm zoned in. I apologize. Are you? That's yeah. good. That's good, right? I just have like this visualizations going on of like, uh, yeah, like where we're going, man. It's hard to explain. It's it's hard to explain. This is like taking me into a sort of uh, a trip of how do i put this like i can just see where we're going and we're really we're moving past these bodies it, and it almost seems like in the beginning of it like and i can even see it now that some of us are going to make it and some of us aren't there's a lot of people that are going to be stuck in the matrix stuck in the cycle yeah. of samsara and then a lot of people are going to get the message and use it for their best benefit to ultimately be free and it's not just going to happen like this everybody is uh everybody's cool and we're on heaven on earth kumbaya it's going to be like this weird gradual process where a select few are going to be able to get the message and honestly the majority aren't they're just stuck in this little cycle or this big cycle um yeah man it's a good chance of that happening of it being fragmented or splintered not right. a complete human liberation there will be sort of a self-selection is that what you think will happen you're pretty confident of that it seems like it yeah, yeah it seems like it um i think it's happening right now and i remember what i was going to say actually it's sort of related that it's this changing up of ourselves and new world new habits new self altogether um the beautiful part of it is actually that the changing of it it does take different um, different forms in how we go about doing it. Like you said, some people make good souffles, some people are good parents, some people do podcasts or write books or drive race cars, whatever. We all have our own dharma, as they say. But yet also the beautiful part of it is that um, it shines through in even the smallest moments of our life. Like we build a, we don't have to become the president of the United States. We build a better world really in the smallest moments. Like when you're holding the door for somebody or you truly listening to somebody, or you're actually just being a natural human, you're being a little bit less about yourself, you know, your individual self and a little bit more about others and whatever's going on in whatever circumstance, whatever, way that the life presents itself to you you're a little bit more less about you're less about yourself you know the lowercase i and more about, about the uppercase i of everyone else and um i think that's really where it shines through that's how all of us in a general sense build a better world it's in all of the little interactions of our life you know we facilitate that in all of the little moments of our life. Definitely that we all have our own roles, like you said, but I think we all share and correlate on the same role of, we're all here, we're all in it together, we're all in the struggle together. 
we all got stuff we got to do. So in the midst of the stuff we got to do together, how can we make it a little bit of an easier ride for others? <laughs> you know, and it's hard to generalize because we are all have different roles, different ways that life in life lives. <laughs> so that's, I think yeah. that's it. Doing what's right for you is the best way for you to make it. But I, it's almost sounds wrong because it's so selfish, but doing what's right for you is the best thing for anybody to do. It's just you have to work a little bit to figure out what that is and to be right about that. That's, That's the, the hard part. That's the only way. But it's so easy to, I don't know, how do you say this? It's so easy to modify that objective yeah. because the mind is presenting us with other agendas and say, okay, no, I know I should just, for example, be a painter, but can paint after I get done with law school and become an attorney because that'll provide more financial security and all of this. And then your gift to the world has been undermined by the mental desire for status and esteem and security, you know? So that is the, that is the struggle. How do we avoid, I mean, we, we have practical realities. We have to eat, we have to earn, we have to live, we have to support ourselves. Even if we're just begging, we still have to do something, Mm. but how do we, keep ourselves from getting trapped in the mind's objective, like you said, the lowercase s for us and pursue our actual objective, especially when there's a little bit of difficulty, a little bit of resistance to for doing that. But if we can do that and we do what's best for us and we find a way to exist and live doing that, then there, like you said, there's nothing better we can do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the best way to, to hurt the world is to do something, no matter how good you are at it, to do something that's not right for you. You know, just because you're capable doesn't mean you should be president, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just because you can make it to be a president, you'd hurt the world if you should actually be working on new surfboards or something like this. Yep. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's very well said. Yeah. And it works like that. The best thing that you can do for yourself is the best thing that you can do for the self. And the worst thing that you can do for yourself is the worst thing that you can do for the self. Yeah, man. Exactly. Either way, it is selfish. Like we all have to do our own thing here. But then it's like, well, in the thing that you're doing, does it also help the greater? You know, does it help the greater sense of self in that? Or is it just some kind of pursuit that gets you money, gets you status, gets you just make people think you're cool, you know? It's weird. It's uh, it's all about our values and where they derive from. But I do feel as though once you do get on the path of meditation, those value sets, they just naturally come into our life and we're able to do, discern what is right and what is wrong, you know? You know what I think is happening when you start meditating? You're expanding your awareness. You're connecting to a broader reality and you're informed of more possibilities, more considerations and more air more possibilities for getting wrong or you know you see things more clearly and like Mm -hmm. i said earlier this is more i I think of things in a slightly detached way a little less emotional i think of this more of an information space there's information available to put us on the blissful right path of life the path that would be best for us to live can we see that can we hear that and can we align ourselves with that path so what i believe is I'm not sure if I missed my original point, but what I believe the best thing to do, I I think being selfish is if you're selfish in the right way, that's the most spiritual and ethical thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. If you're Mm -hmm. selfish in the right way. Mm -hmm. No, I know this is right for me. And I know 
not only is this right for me, if I do this, it'll be better for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe that even everyone is not a consideration as long as you know, it's actually right for you. It feels right. It's not making you feel icky and weird. Hmm. And you've thought about it. I mean, because really your intuition will tell you this is right for you. Yes, yeah. you're making a lot of money. You're famous, but you're not happy. This isn't good. So if you align your mind and your spirit, soul, consciousness, whatever the heck with whatever you're doing, that's a pretty good indicator, a compass, a, a, a signal that you are close to being on that line. And that, that's the way I look at it. There's a perfect life. And that perfect life will yield the best, most ideal experience, even if there's difficulty involved. Will we be able to find that perfect line and perfect life? Unlikely. But will we know if we're not there, if it's so good that we can't imagine it being better? I think that's the goal is to get to that line, correcting our errors, correcting our ignorances and doing what's challenging many times, but re rewarding in the long run. There's nothing that you can do better than living the most right life for you. No, you didn't make a hundred billion dollars, but what could that have improved a blissful, ecstatically lived life? You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. yeah. so just aligning it, being selfish in the right way, because when you think about it, we, we don't know what's right for another person. Yeah. That's what I was saying about the limitation of these constraints. We're generally human. We know, I know that at some point in the next several hours, you'll need to drink something. <laughs> You'll need some fluids, you know what right I mean? Right now, good reminder. <laughs> oh so hmm. we have a general understanding and we can accommodate that for that. But the individual has so many varieties, you know, how much pepper is too much for you? Do you like it? It's this sweet or whatever. There's so many individual considerations and distinctions. So we can't truly be right for another person. So I think just focusing, not blind, not, I will put it to you like this, focusing on what's right for us, but not ignoring our impact to others, because that is a consideration as mm -hmm. well. You you can get so caught up in yourself that you are actually deluding yourself that this is right. The yeah. mindset, do it, do it, do it. We have to be mindful of a shared environment in that the only time we do what's right for us, even if it will incur an impact to another that they will consider negative, the only time we do that is when we know we must or will be wrong for ourselves. Listen, man, I've got to I've got to dig this tree up. You know, it's, it's poisoning my family. Dude, don't dig it up. I like, no. Okay. Okay. But I got to. Okay. And he's like, dude, please. Well, I'm going to dig it up because my family's getting sick or something. You know, I know this is a crazy yeah. example. Yeah. But, I got you. Though. <laughs> but that's the only time we go that far. If the dude, if it mustn't be dug up and it's not harming anybody. And the dude said, man, I really enjoy it. I like looking at it every day. I'm like, ah, all right, man. Maybe I don't have to get rid of it, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, man. Just just selfishness in the correct manner. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Save yourself to save the world. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Selfishness in the correct manner. Everything is selfish in a way. In a way. It's just how we direct that selfishness, <laughs> that selfish energy. Yeah. Yes. Are we allowing the mind? Are we fulfilling the mind's desires for selfishness? And these primitive, can you know, primal based concerns that likely will never be satisfied. The mind was not evolved in an environment where it could be satisfied. There was no, mm -hmm. it did not evolve an environment where there could be enough. Yeah. So there was never a governor or a limiter on that, you know, True. get as many calories as you can. We obviously see that we live in a world where that is harming us if we don't consciously check that, you know, so there's a lot of things that the mind will pursue, which is probably the large part of the reason the world is in the state it's in, 
there's a lot of things the mind will pursue that aren't good, but when not consciously checked, will destroy everything. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's people that will not be satisfied until they have all the money. And when, once they have all of the money, they still will want more money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there's no natural limiter and governor on that. So are we satisfying the mind's desires or our desires? And what I call our desires is are the desires of the subjective experiencer. Yeah. The yeah. things that make that feel make you feel more right, not just make you think you're better. Yeah. The the experience of you is always the determining factor as to whether something is correct. That's kind of like the unconscious, non-mental thermometer or whatever you want to call it, or compass for right action. Did this lead to a better state for me? Not just pleasure, but mm-hmm. actually do I feel better about where I am in as an entity, as a being? Yeah. If we focus more on that, then we can somehow we can somewhat undermine and undercut some of these mental objectives. No, another billion dollars would be great, but I don't really need that. And that'll take up time that I could be spending on this and that. And that's all we can do is focusing on the subjective experience, improving the quality of that. And if we do that a little bit more, then we will see that following mental desires, another piece of cake. Uh, more fried food or whatever the heck or more alcohol or whatever we're doing, you know, just drinking ourselves, you know, or even just purchasing things unnecessarily. That isn't actually improving it. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yep. Yeah. Well said, Lex. Yeah. And it really just comes down to know thyself. If you know thyself, then thyself will lead the way and it will uh, not lead you astray. That's for sure. If you, The more you go within, the more that internal compass will uh, direct one toward right action, you know, right view, right action, all the rights of the eightfold path, it will just lead the way in that. And exactly. uh, yeah, man, it's quite apparent. It's quite apparent. That's the thing is once we go in, it's, uh, I just know that that is the way, you know, I know that going within, focusing on this inward discernment, this intuition, as they say, is the way toward just a better life you know happiness we're all that's not that what we all want to enjoy this experience somewhat while we're here there's no other way man i tried it i tried it. i'm pretty sure you've tried it everyone has tried it we've tried to get the money the girl the car the house the whatever it is maybe this maybe that i'm gonna try this no that's not it truly a satisfying experience past pleasure past our desires our selfish desires Truly finding some semblance of happiness and peace of life means knowing who you are, going within. And it just leads the way in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've said that enough, but I think that's really all it comes down to is just go within, man. <laughs> go within you, oneself. I think one of the best ways to come to that is to get what you want. Ah, that's yeah. what happened to me as I uh-huh. had the house. I got married and I had the car I wanted and I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, like, and, and I reached a state to where like I started saying like, this is it just this over and over a new, a new house, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a new car. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I kind of had an existential crisis. I, I guess you would say when I was in my mid thirties or whatever. And I was, I mean, yeah, I was 34, I mean, maybe 33 when it started happening and I just could not see I was atheistic completely. I wouldn't even, wasn't even agnostic. Mm -hmm. I was just like, where, this is the point. This is why we were born to just, Mm -hmm. 
repeat. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had an opportunity. I'd been meditating for decades, for two plus decades. And I had plenty of opportunities when I reflect back to kind of know a little bit more. But like that was uncomfortable, disconcerting. Felt like I was going to die. Mm. So I'm just going to let you be honest with you. So I avoided all that. It was like, and that would pull me out of my meditation. Like, oh, what the heck is that? No, that's not the euphoric feeling that I wanted. That's something else. So uh, things got so bad for me at a certain point when I was living in Indiana, I was working a job in accounting and finance. And I just said, okay, I was meditating one night. I think I watched Game of Thrones with my wife and she went to sleep and I was like, let's go meditate. She's like, she wasn't into it. I just started trying to get her to meditate a little bit before that. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go in this room and meditate. And I sat down in this, the fashion that I only had one technique at that point. Maybe I did a little breath work. And I sat down and I meditated. And that time, when that opportunity was presented to me, I was like, nope, we're gonna. And I'm, I'm when I mean this, I, when I say this, I mean this. I thought I was going, I didn't think, I didn't, wasn't confident I was gonna die, but I wasn't sure that I was not about to die in that room. Oh. And I decided I'm gonna find out, am I gonna die? Or I'm going to learn something. And that complete <laughs> surrender of my life was, uh-huh. I think, the way that and that could have been done at any point before. But I wasn't willing to risk that. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. a risk. There was no fear when I see this now of actually physically dying. But that day, something did die. And uh-huh. that pulled me out of my psychic and conscious cognitive bubble and allowed me to see things more clearly. And Wrapped up. I started laughing. It's like the entire time, uh-huh. all of this fear, worry, and concern yeah. was completely unfounded and unsupported. And here I am, ten years later, talking to you. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Do you consider what do you consider the self, man? Like, what what are you? Oh man. Somebody hit me with that in another episode. Um, yeah. I'll say the same thing. I don't know. I don't know, man. And that's what this journey is all about is uncovering that, like what we are. Cause that's the thing too, is it's like what, I, what I am, I've come to realize in my investigations is more than just this meat suit. It's more than just the Gary that you guys see on screen and hear in your microphone or here in your headphones. It's more than that. That's what I'm coming to find. And what that is like, I'm you, I'm the listener. I am actually this desk, I am everything. That's what I can try to articulate is that what I am is completely interconnected with all beings in the universe, with all things, inanimate objects. That's truly what I am. And I am not just this body. I am this body, I'm Gary, but what I am is this, this self, this greater S self, which is essentially the entire universe, man. But what is that? Like, how can I articulate that? There's no words for it. I don't know. I truly don't know. doesn't mean I give up the investigation for trying to figure out that. I think every day is an opportunity for that, to go within and to go without with people like you and to try and find something out more about what the self is, what I am. But um, yeah, I've never truly figured it out. We'll never reach the point of what I am. You know, it's like an ever, it's a never finished state of perfection if that makes sense it's unending perfection this unending novelty that's what i am and it's past even my bodily demise it's past when i die what i am is something that is truly infinite is 
before my my bodily birth, after my death, and will continue forever onward. And um, yeah, I stay on that wavelength. Hopefully, I, I did a decent job articulating it. But any words that I use truly go beyond <laughs> what what I am, man. You know, truly, all of us, because it's not just me. All of us, whatever what we all are, words do not do any sort of justice to what we are the magnificence and miracle that we all are in this very moment in this very moment it's important to answer this do you think it's an important question to answer or do you think it's an unanswerable question um i think it's both i think it's an important thing to pursue um and in your pursuit realize that you're never going to get an answer and be okay with that and i think that is a sort of touching upon the state of enlightenment don't like to use that word either in a state of awakening is realize that you're never going to get at an answer. And that's actually the good news. <laughs> it's a good news that you're never going to figure this whole thing out. Imagine if you could say, I got it right here, right now. No, that's so boring. That's, that's like, that's so dull. You never want to figure out the dream. You always want to keep this never ending perfection going, you know, the show must go on. Um, so yeah, stay on that wavelength of um, always questioning, always being curious but be okay with never attaining perfection, I guess, in a certain sense, right? Or figuring out who you are, per se. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, th I, think it's, I think it's an important pursuit, like you said. I think you said it perfectly. An important pursuit, but you should never delude yourself into believing that you have a definitive objective answer. No, because that know? can be an like, attachment, right? That can be another, yeah. like, uh, identity. Because essentially, we pursue that to escape the identity of... I'm Gary, I'm important, look at me. We escape, we do that essentially to try to get out of the ego. But I feel as though the last trap is making that into the ego, the spiritual ego, and which I see yes. in a lot of people. So um, that's how I feel as though you get out of the spiritual ego. You get out of your original ego, and then you also negate the spiritual ego as you realize you're never gonna, you're never really gonna figure it out. But it doesn't mean you give up the, you give up the seeking per se. <laughs> you know and uh yeah, seeking the, the seeking is actually it i think it's education is seeking mm. the degree is just a step in the seeking like you're never educated you never said i'm educated now i know all there yeah, I know <laughs> That'd it be all. Absurd. Yeah. yeah i'm done with education oh really no that's an ongoing process but yeah. the entire time you are in that process I think mm -hmm. there is a way to know. You just can't know with the mind. Exactly. It's an experience. You experience yeah. the truth of it. But this, I, I just really believe that this is incapable of encapsulating things that are literally beyond it. Mm -hmm. There's representation symbols, but we can never think that the thoughts, words, and images we have in our mind are the actual thing. Yeah. You know, it's so that's, beyond it. yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think pursuing it without like you said, getting attached or wrapped up in the object in our mind mm -hmm. is the name of the game. But Amen. Yeah, man. Amen. Yeah. Man. This Good was talk. this was very uh this is better than I thought it'd be. I thank you for <laughs> seriously. Thanks. Very Thanks. insightful. Thanks yeah, man. This is great. Keep doing your thing. You're a real one. Um I don't know, man. I get like a strange yet positive energy from you. I feel as though you should be a uh like a a politician or a leader or something because you're very well spoken in the way and you, have, you seem to have a sort of conviction in the way that you speak so i don't know if politics especially in our system is the right path for you but at least some kind of leader use your voice to your best advantage because you have 
just a natural resonance and a natural well-spokenness to who you are. So yeah, keep on keeping on, man. Seriously. Thank you. All I need is some tech support and I'll be on my way. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, that's easy. That's easy <laughs> to figure out. Yeah. But hey, we learn. It's a, it's a learning process in all facets of this, this whole thing we call life for sure. Especially Zoom. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that compliment. I, I mean, I really do. Um, so you've talked to, you said, how many people? 200 and something episodes? It's a little over 200 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's Then you have the knowledge base and the awareness to for that statement to be qualified as oh, yeah. meaningful. Thank you for that. For sure, Thank man. you for that. Yeah. And, I've uh, had my fair I'll, share of bad conversations and I know which one's a good one off the bat and I know which ones they're not going to make the cut. A lot of people haven't made the cut. <laughs> oh, really? Sure. So you don't, you don't post them all? No, nah, I don't post you, them all just because if it's a bad conversation, it's not, it just, it ain't going to work, man. I'm sorry, but this one's going to work. This was a good conversation. Um, yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. You said you felt high. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. There's myths in the midst of it. These things are sort of not like a drug. Cause that like, that seems like an escape. It's actually the opposite of an escape. It's more of just like a, yeah, like a higher state of mind and literally past the thinking mind. It's hard to explain, but yeah, getting in these talks with people is my meditation. It is my way of just zoning in on the moment. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to hard to balance that because being the host, I have to think about where we're going. You know, it's like sort of logical in that way, like, okay, I'll keep stuff in the back of my head. But then at times I find it tough because I'm trying to listen to you at the same time. So it's this weird simultaneous dance that I'm doing. And sometimes I get a little lost in the other person's words. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Wait a second. I got to think of something or I got to, I got to bounce off of that somehow. So, but that just means it's a good talk. That just means you're a good speaker. If I can get lost in what you're saying and forget about who I am over here on this side of the camera, then that just is an ode to you. You know, I'm glad that you were able to, understand all that because I get lost in my own words still like, Oh, that was good. And I start thinking about it. <laughs> so like, oh, I've never yeah. said that before. And then I'm know. like, Oh, have I been speaking? Have I, <laughs> or I've been thinking of exactly, but no. And, but you did, you did really good of carry. You did a really good job carrying this and keeping it moving and keeping us focused. You yeah, know, man. I really, I need a facilitator. I'll just talk unless somebody says, okay, <laughs> Hey, you know, what about this or what about that? So it's always, it takes two to dance, right? It takes two. Oh, so, amen. It takes two to tango yeah. for sure. <laughs> I've come Definitely. to realize that. Well, hey, man. You, yeah. uh, you put this up next week or something, you said? Yeah, maybe even a little bit, excuse me, even a little longer. I got like three or four podcasts I got to edit and I'm doing more in the yeah. coming days. But yeah, it'll be up. That's for sure. Maybe in the next like week and a half or something like that. Um, Sounds good, up. man. I'll send it over to you. But I thank you for coming on here, man. Seriously, Absolutely. keep doing your thing. Um Thank you for sharing your time, effort, and wisdom with me and anybody that listened yeah. this long. Seriously, keep on keeping on. <laughs> anybody that listened this long, thank you for doing what you do. You have a good one. Thank you, man. Peace and love. Later.